Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, the missing brain skill behind our crisis. There is one idea that if we could understand it, would make a lot of what's going on much more sensible. And it's called period doubling. If we can understand that, a lot will fall into place. So what is it? By its name, you may not know it yet, but you have had experiences with it intuitively. And once you give it a name, you can use it in other emergencies. Let's look at nature. It's been teaching us about period doubling all along. Out in Colorado, we talk about our mountains as high country, and often we have conditions that are perfect for avalanches. If the snow has landed just right and it's built up and asking for trouble, all it will take is something called a dry slab of snow to drop down on that slope, and it can then cause the next pile of snow to fall, and it creates a cascade, picking up speed and getting wider and wider as it goes, The speeds get up to 60 to 80 miles an hour, but it's over in about five seconds. Floods can be like that too, and that's why we're warned not to try to outdrive it. We're supposed to stop, get out of the car, and climb to the highest point, because it too is going to go too fast and it will overtake us. Fires do the period doubling as well. The speed changes if it's with or without wind, but the spread stays the same. So now we can look at information or word of mouth. It's not great when fake news works, but sometimes word of mouth can be incredible. When I was teaching in a middle school many years ago, one of the science teachers had a deformed hand, and the boys, particularly in that school, would call him Stubbs behind his back. One time in the teacher's lounge, he mentioned that and said it it hurt his feelings. So... I asked him how it had happened to him, and he said, well, when he was about 12, he had his hand caught in a corn thresher. He lived on a farm, and it chewed up most of his fingers. He quickly ran home. They wrapped it in a towel, hitched up a wagon with the horse, and rode to town. The doctor was able to tend to his hand, and because of his care, he saved most of his thumb and part of his index finger. He was always grateful to that doctor because he could have just simply amputated the fingers. But now he had a workable hand with an opposable digit. And he didn't cry on the way in because he didn't want to upset his parents any more than they were already. I asked if he'd be willing to tell the kids that, and he said, no, he didn't want to do that. I said, well, how about if I told them? Would that be okay? He said, I don't care. Sure. So I told five boys that afternoon. And you can imagine what happened. They told five others, and so many told five others. And it took basically two days before all 350 kids in the school and most of the teachers, they're always the last to find out about these things, knew. And then he went from being called Stubbs to being an awesome hero. And all they knew was not only was he brave, they had no intentions of going anywhere near a corn thresher if they ever saw one. Now we could look at the internet. Sometimes a video clip or a soundbite catches on, and we say it goes viral. And we know that at times it can even crash that website. 
If we could look at the clips over time, what we'd see is a few clicks and then a few more, and it would build. It would build in a way that's called period doubling. And pretty soon, it's gone all over the place, and we say it went viral. If it goes really fast and spreads really far, that website can crash. What about diseases? Let's look at three of them. Each of them spreads the same way, by contact and airborne droplets from coughs and sneezes that can live in the air and on surfaces for at least two hours, sometimes more. If we look at the ordinary flu, you only have it for about a day before you've got symptoms. It's rarely going to spread very far that way. What about measles? We say they are highly contagious, and one of the big reasons is it's four days before a person has symptoms, and they have plenty of time then to spread it. This virus that we're dealing with, it can go 14 days before the symptoms arise. It's giving this virus extreme amounts of undetected time to create contacts, and it lets it build up great speeds and spread widely like an avalanche. So how in the world can we catch up with it? If we wanted to track its speed and its spread, we'd have to get out ahead of it. And that's why South Korea has done such a great job. At the very first case, they started using massive numbers of test kits to test everyone and map its movement and tell where to stop the contacts from happening. They used over 100,000 test kits in the first two weeks. That way of using test kits shows both the speed and the spread almost at real time. Well, we've had two months since the first case, which was on January 21st in our country, but we didn't have the test kits or the idea of using them in this preventive way. So getting out ahead of it isn't one of our choices. But slowing the speed still is. And by radically limiting the contacts between us, even when we feel just fine, we're slowing the speed down so that down the road, instead of a huge bulge of patients, at the same time, we are flattening that bulge and buying some time so we don't all need the help at once. We should take a little bit of time here to look at what period doubling really means. It means that maybe there are 10 cases, and in certain period of time, it's going to double to be 20. And then that same period of time goes again, and now we have 40. And the same period of time goes again, and now we have 80. Well, that doesn't sound so big, but if we're talking about 2,000 jumping to 4,000, or 10,000 jumping to 20,000, those are period doublings too. The question is, what's the time period we're dealing with? If we can slow the time period down by sequestering, we can buy the time so not everybody gets sick at once. So now what are we going to do? We are buying some time, but we have to use that time to pull up another brain skill called feed forward. It means looking at events like a quarterback does when they're throwing to a wide receiver. They don't throw to where the receiver is now. They throw to where the receiver will be soon. So to avoid crashing our medical system later, we need to look ahead too. The first focus needs to be on that system and their supply needs, from beds to masks and preventive gear for all the staff to be as ready as possible. And then we need to support those people whose lives and jobs are affected so they can stay sequestered. 
and then provide health protections for those still forced to be in close contact, from grocery store workers and janitors to people in prisons and refugee camps and homeless settings. I know it's hard to think about these things, but I hope that at least now when you listen to the news and to the medical and epidemic specialists talking, you'll get what they mean when they talk about flattening the curve and why they insist the problem is growing exponentially, even though today's numbers still sound small. And why it makes sense to be sequestered for now while the numbers are still low. You really are making a huge difference by doing that. Thank you.